Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. Uh, got your usual crew here. I'm Paul Gillette. Got Chris Paolo Mares and a James Lincoln. All right, so Jim and I have been talking about his so. progress on his railroad. I was telling him about the uh, club I joined here. And you're in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah. We're just a little bit northeast of uh, Dallas uh, in, in Plano. So Plano. Dallas Model uh, Works is here. Plano Products is here as far as model railroading. I joined the uh, Texas Northern Model Railroad Club. So this coming Thursday is my uh, first meeting. Oh, okay. Telling Jim Pierley, it's an older club, 3,000 square feet on the HO layout, uh, wow. 246 foot uh, dual main lines. So I think that should be fun. <laughs> it's about, I don't know, 25 minutes from the house. So, and I was yeah. telling him I had gone over to Chris Atkins on. Sunday, he had an open house for his railroad, and uh-huh. the house that he bought has a separate building behind it. Apparently, there okay. were some offices back there, and so that's where his model railroad is. I just, my mouth just dropped open. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I went, holy moly, okay. this is big. Okay, you, 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 you need to get this right, okay? Yes. Okay, it's a it's an it's an X T and P section house. Is that what that is? That, okay, that's what that building is. Yes. Yeah, it's an actual railroad structure. Yeah, there's a long story in regards to how he got it and his buddy who had a model railroad in it that pulled it out and burned it. Oh yeah. You need to you need to find the story out about that about the section house and the model railroad. Okay, I will get a hold of Chris and we'll just have him on for a conversation. Fascinating. Oh yeah, I mean he the whole story's been on a modeler's life. So I mean oh okay he, the modeler's life po- podcast with with uh, Lionel. Yes. Yeah he. He was on there and he went through the whole story about his. But yeah, there was a big thing with the his neighbor was a jerk and wanted him to tear the building down. Was, yeah, all sorts of funky stuff going on with that section house. Or maybe it was his butt. I don't know. Okay. It was a while ago when I heard this story. So. Okay. Well, it. Uh, I mean, it's a, the home itself. The residence is a beautiful home. And, you know, the section house, you can tell it's got some years on it. But when you walk in, all that fades away when you see the model railroad he's building in there. Oh, nicely done. He's He builds all of his own turnouts. He's, you know, got a small fortune tied up in fast tracks, tooling, and templates. So, amazing. Just, yeah, considering New Orleans, we had one real nice guy owned a train store, but it was mostly O-scale. And here I've already run into two uh, 
stores with big HA selections and paint and styrene and powders for weathering and this and that and brass collections and you know all this kind of stuff it's like I died and went to heaven so Chris what's up I've just been I'm trying to catalog a few of my slides I've been accumulating here so nothing really exciting just uh realizing how much I really got <laughs> so well okay, yeah that uh I've known guys with similar challenges to what you just said that just like thousands of slides and I'm I'm not to that point but uh it, it's trying to make it use of this stuff so, so well let's back up my I'm doing a huge reconfiguration on my roof work room I've been okay. putting up lighting I can't emphasize how important good lighting is for you know doing detailed work so I, I ended up getting these two LED kind of panels that go, that, that stuck up like right above where I work now and that, yeah. that's been a huge life-changing event um, also changing going from a a stored solution which kind of has been what I've known for the past 15 years to actually a workflow solution and my goal is to be able to model a minimum of 30 minutes every night okay when I'm at home so just trying to get into that routine so I'm actually making progress versus <laughs> nothing at all you know so that that means research in the right places that means tools in the right places that means all my projects are cataloged and have a running list of things I need to do to them um, I have, have a complete idea of the parts I have and the things I need to get so it's completely just getting organized so I can actually make progress cool I saw there was an interesting article in what is a month or two ago in one of the uh, Model Railroad magazines uh, about your new uh, tunnel motor. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, of course that's White River, isn't it? That's the publisher of that. For Model Railroad News, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they always have great photography. Uh, and they had a, I think a month ago, had a chassis system issue. And, uh, but when I went back to read the one on your tunnel, mm -hmm. uh, and one of the competitors, both of them outstanding looking locomotives. I mean, the detail and stuff, just yeah. insane detail. So, yeah, I sold the three that I had before I left New Orleans and uh -huh. now I'm going well now that I have access to a club you know downstream maybe I need <laughs> to buy those tunnels three new tunnels and uh, do uh, topsy coffee freight with them just beautiful locomotives holy cow well thank you oh yeah uh, I mean it, it wasn't me that, that pulled all this off I mean, it, I get the privilege of working with a great team of guys that, you know, are passionate about the hobby. So, 
Well, and yeah, you've got the new release coming out of the Genesis 7th. Yeah. And even doing a B unit for the UP. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That is yeah. cool. That is nice. Uh, I don't have any GP7s, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need a GP7 and a GP7B. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did those three... Or the Santa Fe? Well, if I bought it, that's who I'd buy it for. But right. but what but what vintage? Oh, what on the seven? Yeah, yeah. Well, are we looking for a tiger stripe or the bookend? Uh, the bookends, just a basic okay. blue pinstripe. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because I think they had a couple B units, if my memory's serving me correct. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, I think. Santa Fe was really the owner, only owner of GP7Bs. Okay. Because they did GP7 and GP9s both had Bs, right? Like yes. Remembering correctly? Okay. I'm pretty sure the UP had GP9Bs. Yes, as did the Pensy. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, then... One doesn't need an excuse to go buy locomotives. <laughs> One just buys them. <laughs> right, One, right. One just buys them. Uh, yeah, I was telling Jim not to repeat, but, you know, this is a very concise railroad going together in this house. You oh, know, cool. Well, 12 by 10. <laughs> so it's an overgrown 4 by 8. But <laughs> it's, I did work in 36 and 38 mainline curves and doing a big view block that's what i've been working on is the view block so that when you come in the room from the hallway you don't see just a, a throwback to 1957 you know christmas tree lionel railroad it you've got right. this big curve and the, the uh, rock faces I'm doing will go up about 15, 19 inches. So it'll that's all you'll see coming in. And that's kind of a, that's been fun. I'm still tweaking the, the shapes, you know, all the styrofoam and stuff that will become the, the foundation of the rock faces once I start molding them on. Mm -hmm. uh, but I took a couple of longer cars, uh, two auto carriers, and a 86-foot auto parts boxcar, and yeah. put them in that section. I thought, okay, is this really going to look stupid? And but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't because of the the one part of the curve is 41 inches, and then it goes into 36s and 38s when it goes out of sight. So I think it'll be be okay but now thanks to the membership of the club for accepting me as a member i can go over there and uh, run the big stuff oh yeah well it sounds like uh it sounds like you're actually going to get some mileage on your on your stuff yeah yeah so 
looking looking forward to that. And I told Jim, I know there's two shows or conventions, however you want to call them, in this area each year. I think the first one's in the fall at the Plano Center, which is about maybe five miles from my house because it's on the edge of town. And, right. And it's out by the the junior college out there. So I'll make sure I go there. I even volunteered to uh, work at the show. So just oh, you know, cool. to participate. So we will see. We will see. Just, you know, it's like tomorrow. We have contractors here at 8 in the morning. We had contractors here today. We had contractors here yesterday. I'll be glad when all this <laughs> stuff gets done so I can just take a nap on the couch without having to <laughs> worry about. So that's okay. You get it done. I knew it was an older home and it needed things done to it. We bought it. So it's, it wasn't unexpected. It's stuff we're choosing to do. So <sighs> but there for a while, it did keep me away from the trains and that was aggravating. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, what else do you have going on? We went over all the, you know, your unfolding plans for the, uh, the railroad. You got anything else you're doing up there with other groups or anything? No. Um, my, um, my MP15 that's got the battery power installed is yeah. with Mike Mike Rose right now because he's re trying to reprogram the um, Loke Sound Decoder. It came with it came with the wrong programming. It's not an MP15. It's an Alcos something. <laughs> and, okay. um, that's an identity crisis. Apparently, <laughs> and I didn't test it before I put it in because. I trusted that it was right. So um, <laughs> now go five thirty nine. No, it's not a five thirty nine. No, <laughs> okay. it isn't that. It, it is a either two forty four or two fifty one. But um, okay. and it's not a very good. You know, it's it, it's kind of like the well, if you look at the if you watch the video of the because I think I posted it to the. Uh, our uh, Facebook page. Okay. Um, the sounds on that, and you can tell it's a Alco something or other. Maybe it's a GE, but it's not right. So, okay. um, so he's got it. Hopefully, trying to reprogram it. He thinks he can do it. Um, the problem is because of the way that it's uh, wired. Obviously, not to the track. You can't just hook it up and reprogram it. So, it's Well, that's a good point. How do you do that on a battery? How do you make that? You disconnect the transmitter. Yeah. And then you connect it to DC in. I mean, I mean DCC in. You, you just, you, um, Kaylee Zeng did the installation and she said, just pull the wires off the, uh, the, uh, receiver. Yeah. And, you know, hook the DCC system to that, and um, that'll allow him to reprogram it. In theory, so 
Um, it, a little know. black magic. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, you know. Uh, it, the one drawback to having somebody else install the decoder is I don't know how it's installed. So, but having her do it meant that it got done. So, there you go. No, sounds like a logical decision to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, hey, I was like, hey, you want to install this? Uh, please? Okay. Thanks. Don't you want to? No, not really. Yeah. I'd rather lay track. Thank you. So, Chris, how are the plans coming for the, uh, for the O-Scale boxcar? I recall Jim already had it planned. <laughs> well, no, we, we, we thought that, you know, the reason, the reason you, you weren't on quick is you were finishing up the plans. Yeah. Oh, me finishing up the plans. Yes. I, we thought you were on the phone with China getting it all worked out. Yeah, um, I said, hey, yeah. I can't get a hold of Chris. Maybe he's working on the boxcar. Yeah, he's probably on the phone with China right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely go with that. Absolutely. Yeah, let's that. go okay. with that. <laughs> See, <laughs> here you go. It says, I told China to make an O-scale Proto 48 boxcar, and they sent me tunnel motors. I don't know. <laughs> Must have some lost in the translation there. It's like, yeah, obviously, uh, obviously, obviously, whoever was doing the translating that day didn't get it. I try. I said boxcar. I got tunnel motor. <laughs> Close, and <it's> right? The, <laughs> and it's yeah. the wrong scale. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know what to tell you, Jim. You know, I just, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. Right. I know. I know. That's what you're gonna say. <laughs> You were on the phone with China. That's exactly what happened. That's amazing. As a matter of fact, that's what it was. You were on the phone <laughs> trying to yell at him for sending him, sending you the wrong thing. Thanks. But you know, that's, when you just yell it in Chinese, it just it's just part of their language. Right. Yeah. You just yeah. Let me. Hey, Chris. Let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know you're a remotering fanatic. How would you compare the uh, typical Kato motor that, you know, with the four-pin mounts, one I always use uh, for remotoring, with the latest uh, RTR motors? They pretty comparable in your mind? At this point, they are. Uh, okay. Uh, the RTR motors have gone through. A pretty significant change. Okay. Uh, up until just recently, they were pretty much, you know, the same tooling as the Blue Box with some updates. Yes. But that tooling wore out, so we completely had to retool some of the components to that, that RTR motor. It is a different animal now. Okay. It, it's... Because we did, you know, CNC tooling and, you know, those end bills are truer than they ever were before in the past. You can get a lot more precise motor out of it. And okay. that's kind of what's going on with the new RTR motor. All right. Well, and the reason I ask is when I, right before we moved and I did the uh, SD9 remotors 
I used RTR motors. Uh, mm -hmm. And two of them just run dead nuts on together through all the speed sets. One of them is, is a free-thinking spirit. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to tweak the, uh, oh, the speed curve up to about 20 speed mm -hmm. set 20 on the on the curve and then all of a sudden they were in sync again so once we were here i was on a computer one day because i was tired of emptying boxes and i found <laughs> another uh lifelike era proto uh sd7 and uh you know the CSX chassis system, rainbow colors, never been out of the box, so brand new. Mm -hmm. Well, I already ordered the uh, decoders and speakers from JT, and yeah. I'm on this one. I'm gonna put in a 21 pin with uh, Nick Santos uh, decoder buddy board. Yeah. With a, I'm going to make an extension cable that I can run from the decoder over to, for a couple inches, maybe an inch, inch and a half, to mount the decoder due to a constriction of vertical height. Right. So I'm just going to make, I bought the male and female 21 pins, and I just, it's like an extension cord. And mm -hmm. I thought, I'm going to, have to go get another uh, Atherin motor, and then as I'm unpacking, you forget what you've got. I went, oh shoot, I've got two brand new Kato motors with the, you know, Atherin compatible mount. Right. And I thought I would just put those in and see. That's why I ask it in your opinion. Uh, just see how close they are in running. You know, honestly, if I were to do a proto repower, yeah. I would probably just keep it simple, stupid, and and use the new Atherm one because it'll drop right in and just oh, pull do. off the they flywheels right from in. the old one and, and plug them onto the new Atherm RTR. Mm -hmm. And that thing will be sweet. It'll probably run better than it ever has, and you won't have to go through the headache of trying to mill out the weight and the under frame. Well, on the SD9, it is a drop-in. You're absolutely right. Your RTR motor, there's no machining. You have to cut away part of the uh, top-mounted weight because your guys' mm. positioning on the flywheels are different from the 1990-something uh, lifelike motor. But that's okay. The thing is so heavy anyway, Removing a couple ounces out of the center of that weight to make clearance for your motor and the decoder board, it is not a big challenge. Thing still yes. pulls like a mule. So, well, it, I guess uh, I guess one could go uh, that way too. Well, well, what what I was advocating for was to use a flywheel puller, pull off the uh, lifelike oh. ones, and just transpose them onto the oh. the RTR motor, and then there's nothing to do. Okay. Well, actually, 
I don't have that, so I'll do it the other way. <laughs> My Dremel cuts through the weight very quickly. Yeah. All right. So I'll you got to go, go with whatever tool you have on hand. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'll go to your parts department and buy two of the new motors, and that yeah. way I'll get at least two pairs running together, and I can do right. two uh, two trains. Well, that is great. That is great. Did you learn any more about those fantastic uh, wireless LEDs that we I, talked about? I I haven't. I mean, what I've seen so far. Yeah. Is a great system for like yeah. vehicles. Like HO vehicles on a layout. Say if you have like a parking lot next to, you know, a scale McDonald's or something. Right. And you just want to kind of move some vehicles around and have the headlights turn on and stuff like that. I would really be interested to see if something like that can be put together in HO scale. I mean, something for a module, you know, where you're pulling, tend to be pulling off, you know, some of the finer detail vehicles and sometimes structures too. Yeah. Um, having that ability of being able to just like drop something on without wires connecting underneath the car to the road, man, the options really open up. Oh, yes, they do. Uh have you used any of the plug-and-play lighting for buildings and stuff or street lights or car headlights? No, but I've seen them employed, and I think there's a number of solutions where you got to drill a hole in the street and thread okay. the wires through it. Okay. The, the, the wireless LED concept would just do away with having to drill holes so that you can move that car anywhere, you know, anywhere that has as like one of those little charging stations. Okay. Um, and, and go that route. All right. Well, because one of the things when you don't have a lot of space and you can't run big trains, you just become obsessed with the nuances of subtle details like lights on city streets, in buildings, in cars. Uh, yes. On streets. It's just... My wife just rolls her eyes. Yeah, like you need an excuse to be, you know, OCD. <laughs> anyway, we all have a cross to bear. So we shall. There was a, I, I, I was, a, I was playing this silly game on my phone, and at one point, you you meet up with this like evil overlord. Yeah. And. You're trying to find out whether he has this object, these these ancient artifacts. And his comment to you is, yeah, I have them. I like old things. Just because I'm an evil overlord doesn't mean I can't have a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's – so I've had an iPhone since 2010. 10, I think it's when we got them. And I think update while we were in New Orleans, I think. And they they came with a different type of earphone. And you know, the current like teardrop. Well, I kept trying to use them like an old style earbud. And of course, it wouldn't stay in my ears. You couldn't hear anything. And so I just set them aside. 
So I'm watching the guy cut my grass. And I see this white thing hanging out of his ear. And so I said, what is that? And he shuts the lawnmower off and he said, it's the, the wireless version of the uh, iPhone thing. And I said, well, how's that fit in your ear? He said, it just kind of hangs there. And it's kind of like the light bulb went off. <laughs> yeah. And I walked in the house, grabbed one of these. I was trying to force it in my ear, you know, like an old one. And I just laid it right there on the lobe, by the lobe. And I went, oh, do I feel stupid <laughs> you know, for five years trying to do it the old way. Sometimes that's what we do on trains, you know. We keep doing it the old way when it's a, a simpler way is staring us right in the face. Yeah. That's okay. Go ahead and laugh. I understand. We will. No problem. <laughs> Just like you'd laugh at us. <laughs> that's that's what makes it fun. None of us are that sensitive unlike other parts of our society that don't like a three hundred year old flag design on a pair of shoes. Not to mention <laughs> names. Oh boy. So, uh, and the, I guess the real irony of that is some of the people, you know, in the cheering section were the political party that used that flag during, uh, what, their president's inauguration. <laughs> Oops, that's got to be awkward. All right, so. Yeah, a little bit. So, Jim, on your, uh, I bought the subscription for the uh, super enhanced edition of Model Railroad Hobbyist. Okay. So I'll be able to go back and read your article. Can't you read my article anyway? Wasn't it in my, it wasn't it in regular Model Railroad Hobbyist? I thought it was, you were one of the first ones in the expanded edition. I was, well, I was, but it was also in the regular oh, November okay, I misunderstood. All right. Who knows? Maybe I have. Maybe I was putting my headphones in wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it happens, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Uh, so, yeah, I kept waiting for Joe to give it to us free because we do the podcast. So they had to actually buy it. Uh, I did so get it for free. Well, sure you did. You wrote the article. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. No. Because I, I asked him, am I actually going to have to pay for this? No. <laughs> no. Oh, good. Because I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. So, Chris, anything new and exciting? What's your next show? National Train Show in Utah, and actually our good friend George is going yeah. from Soundtracks is going to be there. So, going to be seeing quite a few uh, my old cronies in Fremo, and um, okay. also some people I haven't seen in, in quite some time that aren't really part of Fremo either. Where so, is Salt Lake City? It's exciting. Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's in Salt Lake City. I'm actually going to be taking the train out there. Oh, so, fantastic! Yep. Yeah, so we're going to be going through the Rockies. Oh, uh, yeah. Wednesday morning, so it's going to be 
be pretty a pretty cool trip. Yeah, my my wife has friends. I think I mentioned this once before, and from Mayo Hospital in Phoenix, and everywhere he and his wife now go because they're retired, they mm -hmm. go by train. <laughs> they get sleepers and they go by train, and so we were at one time going to be going to a wedding up in uh, North uh, State of Washington. And I said, I want to take the train. Mm -hmm. And because we can go from Dallas, Fort Worth over to LA. Uh, then we catch the uh, Starlight, no, Coast, Coastline or whatever it is, it goes up. And she said, that'll be fun. We'll do that. We'll just get a sleeper and read and whatever. And then she's got a consulting assignment that has precluded that. But she's going, why don't you find a trip you want to take for your birthday? Let me make that your birthday present. And I'm going, well, I'd like to go up to Toronto <laughs> and oh. ride the transcontinental through Kicking Horse Pass over to British Columbia. And she just looked at me. Okay, can we make it a little closer to home? All right, let me look. <laughs> let me work on it. Gonna have to try again next time. Yeah, yeah. How about for our anniversary? You could uh, combine it: Christmas, birthday, and, and that. And of course, I'd want to take a train to Toronto. I don't want to fly up there. I want to take a train up there. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> but. Yeah, I haven't taken a long-distance train trip since maybe 1998. Oh, it's been a minute. And, yes, yeah, been a minute. And it was overnight. Only 21 years. Yeah, but it was Highline equipment, uh, GEs up front. Uh -huh. And, uh, in fact, it was from Champaign, Chris. No kidding. Down, it was the uh, city of New Orleans, down to uh, New Orleans. I know it well. Yes, Pam was already living down there uh, and working, so I went down for uh, Christmas and then took it back home. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with it. Uh, decent meal, uh, comfortable seats, so... Yeah, what? And either one of you guys have occasion to come this way, be it a show or whatever, Chris. I mean, I've got extra rooms. Uh, oh. Yeah, plenty to talk about. So, hey, if there's a Torchy's Taco anywhere driving distance, I'm there. <laughs> a which taco? Torchy's Taco. It's one of those Texas staples. I got exposed okay. to it over in Houston. Okay. And it, it quickly became like one of my favorite taco joints. <laughs> so went there pretty much every night that we were over in Houston. Okay. Well, it's as we've been driving around, you know, Plano and going over to Murphy and those places like that. One of the things I commented to uh, my wife, I said, you know, every one of these plazas has a donut shop and a taco stand, yeah, taco <laughs> restaurant, and there's a couple really good ones, highly rated ones. One's about a block and a half away, the other one's about a half mile, 
And I said, I understand due to the heritage of a lot of the people that live up here, while there's the uh, Mexican food, the taco, and stuff like that. I said, but what is it with Texans and glazed donuts? <laughs> I mean, they're just everywhere. Well, it, it was the same thing over in Phoenix. The only thing open past midnight was either like, <laughs> uh, you know, a liquor store or, you know, a place to pick up donuts. I, <laughs> there was the, there were the only ones that had like, you know, a lot of activity past midnight. Yeah, um, a block away from here, there's a, a plaza on every corner. A couple of restaurants, um, gym, doctor's offices, and stuff like that. And the Shell Station, you know, it's one of those service marts. You walk in, and the right side of the building is nothing but snacks, wine, and beer. And on the left is the U.S. Post Office, FedEx, UPS Shipping, you know, counter. And there's this Mexican family, Hispanic family, that has a grab-and-go restaurant back there. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what. This gentleman knows what to do with tacos, burritos, emplanadas. Oh, it's excellent. And it's all made fresh while you wait. Ah, it is so good. Well, I'm going to have to invite myself down there. And Will you do it, son? I've got this out. two <laughs> guest bedrooms. There was a third one, but that's now the train room. We cook out a lot. Uh, I've got a big green egg. Do a lot of low temperature, slow cooking outside by the pool. And uh, we did, for yesterday, we did a four-pound pork roast and then oh, after okay. it was done then we pulled it mm -hmm. and then sauteed it added more spices and stuff to it and became the basis of pulled pork sandwiches and stuff and uh, so the real thing is since we moved here I've probably lost 10 pounds mm -hmm. and I just changed the way I was eating eating a lot more, you know, keto stuff, and hardly any carbs, although I did make room for some, uh, for a bun yesterday to eat some of those sandwiches, but it, uh, only have one big meal a day, but I make it count. <laughs> so, this is cool. So, we know, all right, so you've got... The Genesis 7, what else new is coming out along the fall or pre-order, Chris? Well, we have some GP38-2s that are closing up for pre-order. Okay. Um, for, for people that are interested in Union Pacific Heritage, fleet, yeah. we have the new 1111 Powered by Our People Heritage Locomotive. It's okay. just now starting to make the rounds. Uh, it it ended up in Illinois just this last week. I think it's back out on the road. Okay. Um, and then also the UP big boys uh, yes. were doing, of course, 4,014 in two different ways. Uh, the promontory version has the chalk marking big boy on the front of the smoke box. Oh, okay. And, and it comes with a, a, a little bit shinier um, finish to it. 
matching the prototype as it came out fresh from Cheyenne. Um, and then we have another version that has, uh, are, are, are pretty, are, uh, I would say more typical finish, just like the, the rest of the big boys in the past. Okay. Uh, it's a little more matte and it also has, uh, a decal with it that has the big boy chalk marking. So if someone <laughs> wants to put it on as an option, they can okay. do it. Um, but what's, what's also significant and it's, it's one of those things that these locomotives get overlooked because they're not really operational, but they're just as important. We're doing all the, the other big boys that are in preservation. Oh. So like uh, the St. Louis, uh, yes. also, uh, over in Denver, there's one over at Steamtown in Pennsylvania, you know, so they're all kind of all over the nation. And that was, you know, it, the thought was, you know, the Golden Spike kind of signaled the joining of two different railroads that, you know, that bound the na- nation together. Yeah. So it made sense to do these other locomotives that are scattered all over the, the nation from east to west coast at different locations and, uh, you know, get some more recognition for those. And these are the ones that are in Texas, like Frisco, Texas. There's one down there. Yes. Um, there's also Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, so it, it becomes kind of like a football team, <laughs> you know, who support your local big boy, you know, or well, the closest one to you. You mentioned the St. Louis one, mm-hmm. which at the time when I was still with ACF and we were living in St. Charles, that was called the National Museum of Transport down in Manchester area. Mm-hmm. And so when we started talking about the sales department Christmas card, I, you know, being the young 23-year-old uh, <laughs> go-getter, I said, can I take that project? I want to do something different besides the typical uh, corporate card. And so the director goes, what do you want to do? I said, well, we're in the railroad industry. We've got a history. I said, I think we ought to go to the museum, find an appropriate, significant locomotive, decorate it for Christmas, and we'll pose the sales staff on it. And he goes, Mm -hmm. really? I said, yeah. So he said, get back to me, tell me what. So we went to myself and, you know, back when you called them secretaries, but administrative assistant, we canvassed all the Main Street businesses in St. Charles and got people, because this was, we were shooting the photo at the end of uh, September, early October, and we got the big, you know, like storefront scale decorations. And then we made yeah. a Christmas wreath. So I called the museum, got an appointment with the director, went down to see him on the weekend, told him what I wanted to do. And he goes, well, I think it's a great idea. He said, what do you think about using? And I said, how about the big boy? And he goes, really? So anyway, that is exactly what we did. What I will do is I still have one of the original Christmas cards. I will scan that photo 
put it, make it a JPEG and put it up on the Facebook page. Yeah, please do that. And it's got please myself and the other members of the sales staff and the, the young ladies on there. And mm-hmm. even did hand calligraphy for all the verbiage on the card. Card was immensely popular just because it was so different. And uh, I will put that up on the Facebook. I've just got to find where the card is. Uh, okay. I knew where it was before we packed a move here. But, uh, but it was such a neat thing uh, to do. And when you mentioned the St. Louis Big Boy, I think that's number 4006. That's yes. there. Maybe that's what sticks in my mind, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, so that is cool. And I've yeah. seen the one in Frisco. I've been up to Frisco once for a brief visit and saw the uh, big boy sitting in line with uh, some other units. So uh, when my grandson's here next month or this month, I'll take him up there. Uh, that's cool. That's a good idea, Chris. I may have to buy another one of those. <laughs> We're doing it in HONN scale. Um, I, I no think O-scale? that it's important to – what's that? No O scale. Yeah, no O scale. But we're okay. doing it. We're doing it in H O and N. Okay, and you'll offer tsunami two and so forth. Two. Okay. Yeah, tsunami two, twenty one pin, on the DCC ready version. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Twenty one pin. All right. Yep. And they're also they'll also have the sugar cube speakers in them. Okay. Yeah, I was watching, uh, while I was working on track the other day, I was watching George on YouTube talking about uh, DDE on Steam mm-hmm. and demonstrating how you can make it really work the chuffs just right. So I, I, I like DDE a whole lot on Steam. And, you know, when you have a single locomotive, it really, you know, it really stands out. Yes, it can be a challenge when, especially when you're multiple, got three uh, diesels immune, and there's slight differences. Yeah. On. <laughs> no, it yes. didn't affect the operation, but it sure makes it sound like a whole different ball game. Uh. Right, right. All right, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.